The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about the growing complexity of managing a multi-channel e-commerce brand. With us today is Ben Hebert, who is the founder of Natural Stacks, which is a nutritional products brand that yields optimal performance by using open source formulas so their consumers know exactly how much of each ingredient they're putting into their bodies. The Natural Stacks brand is available in various e-commerce channels, including Amazon, eBay. They use a Shopify store and they sell some products on Facebook. In this episode, Ben is going to talk us through how he thinks about and prioritizes his omni-channel approach to e-commerce. Here's the first part of our interview with Ben Hebert from Natural Stacks. Ben, it's great to have you here on the MarTech Podcast. Thank you for having me on. I'm ready to share some of the knowledge that we've learned over the last, I guess it's five years now since we started this small company. Running a business for five years is a big milestone, so congratulations. And why don't we start off by talking a little bit about how you got into the Natural Stacks brand and in the supplement space? Well, it's interesting. My business partner and co-founder, Roy, had been working on a supplement e-commerce project before this, and he hired me to get the business ready for sale. And we never met. We communicated primarily over Skype, and we found that we worked really well together which is kind of like one of those magic things because a lot of times people say they're going to do something or they're going to be able to accomplish some sort of task. And a week later, you're like, what's going on? And with Roy and I, that never really happened. So immediately from the beginning, we started working well. And eventually, he was on the Longevity Forum, which is a big forum online for uh, if you want to live forever. And people were talking about what is our flagship product now called Siltep. That's C-I-L-T-E-P. Tell me a little bit, what does Siltep do for the people who aren't familiar? So it's a natural supplement designed to induce what's called long-term potentiation of the brain, which is like the underlying mechanism behind memory and learning. To study this further, we've actually funded two clinical trials, which are underway now. We should be able to release the data for that towards the end of the year, which is really, really exciting for us. Great. So what were you doing prior to meeting your co-founder? What was your background sort of going way back? If we go all the way back, this is dating myself a little bit, 2009-ish. I started working for a company called giftcardrescue.com. That company is no longer in business, but 
basically it was an e-commerce arbitrage play around the unused gift card market, which is worth billions of dollars per year. We buy a gift card off of you for $80 to Walmart, and then we resell it for $90 or something like that. Obviously, that business has a lot of challenges because you're fighting on the supply side because you need to get people to sell you the cards. And then on the buyer side, you need to convince people, hey, you can buy essentially what is a used gift card and either re-gift it or use it in the store to purchase something. Interesting. So you had an e-commerce background prior to getting into the supplement space. You meet your co-founder, you guys hit it off. And the next thing you know, you're selling products meant to help your brain function for a longer period of time. I'm sure you have a variety of other products that have different purposes. Absolutely. We're targeting natural cognitive health. And then just a little bit about the brand. Kind of natural stacks is everything we do. All of our products contain only the best natural ingredients. And stacks is kind of like you can only stack something so high. So our formulas, they're open source. You know exactly what's in there, how much, and it's only going to be a couple ingredients. So essentially it is a stack, which is really cool. Coming up with the name, I kind of based it off of Under Armour being from Maryland. It's like another brand that says like kind of exactly what they are. Eventually came up with natural stacks and praise the Lord, the domain was available, which almost never seems to happen. (laughs) (laughs) And the rest, I guess, is history. And holy crap, it's five years coming up this September. So when you started, how were you selling your products? What platforms were you using? Well, when we started the business, we launched with two SKUs, our Siltep and then our Smart Caffeine, which is a very simple energy product with caffeine from coffee and then L-tanine, which is the calming amino acid in green tea. And it was purely on Shopify. I had no experience with FBA. I had no experience with retail. I had no idea what omni-channel even meant at that time. I did have an e-commerce background, so we built out on Shopify. And within our first 100 days, we did over six figures in revenue. So you mentioned FBA for the people who are relatively new in e-commerce. Tell me what that means. That means fulfillment by Amazon. Basically, you send products to Amazon's warehouse. It allows you to be in the Prime program so that anyone basically in the US can order it and get two-day delivery for free as long as they're a Prime member. So that's basically selling your products through Amazon and Amazon is shipping the end consumer a box that basically makes it look like it's coming from Amazon and it's included in Prime. We had a conversation with a mutual friend of ours, Adam Weiler, who is the founder of Sunken Stone, which is an Amazon optimization agency. And he goes into a little bit more detail about the FBA process. So anybody interested in that might be a good episode for you to check out. So that said, tell me a little bit about you were starting, you had your own shop, you're using Shopify as the platform. And since then, you have expanded to have placements through FBA, through Amazon. And I see that your product is also on eBay and looks like you have a Facebook profile that's e-commerce related. Tell me about how you look at omni-channel e-commerce and tell me about the rationale behind having multiple different platforms. So one, omni-channel is very, very, very hard. It's a massive challenge for new brands out there. And you kind of have to understand this by going back a little bit. When we first launched in 2013, we launched on podcasts and things like that, really developed our core audience immediately, and then started to get a ton of wholesale inquiries. So now when you look at the brand and if you put natural stacks at the top, priority-wise, it's our own Shopify store. Then it will be our own third-party channels, which an example of that is like ClickBank. After that will be Amazon US. 
And somewhere in between is going to be our U.S. domestic retail. And those are going to be your bricks and mortar stores. From there, you're looking at international retail and the rest of them, which I'll call like our e-tailers. So these are going to be e-commerce shops that are located all over the world. We have a great partnership in Australia, Sweden, Netherlands, UK, you kind of name it. We're all over the world now, which represents a ton of challenges to manage for a brand owner. Yeah, it's interesting. The idea of you originally started, it sounds like selling products directly to the consumer. And based on the mix that you're talking about in terms of having other e-tail relationships, you've moved into a special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex, ready to take your team from I think to I know. Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. Selling wholesale sounds like a reasonable part of your business. I imagine there's different technology and platform on the back end that you're using. Tell me a little bit about how you keep those multiple channels organized when you're selling one bottle of supplements to one person in Des Moines, Iowa, and a pallet to somebody in Australia. So one of the early things we did with channel management, as soon as we started selling, and this is when we're operating our own Amazon FBA account, we started running into a lot of issues because we were using a 3PL at the time. So we're using Shopify Plus, a 3PL, which I will not name. What's a 3PL? That's going to be a third-party logistics provider. So essentially, that's a warehouse. Mm -hmm. Now, there are some that are corporate-owned and will use some of the latest software and will hook up with any type of ERP. We were way too young to be ready for anything like that. And what's an ERP? It's an enterprise resource planner. So there are tons of different ones out there for e-commerce. I think I was talking to Peter Keller of fringesport.com and we both basically said, you know, once you get into that multi-million dollar range and you're trying to scale, to, you know, from 7 to 8 figures, you're never going to find one that works. And I don't want to badmouth any of them, but we went through a bunch testing them, trying to implement them for our business and we never really found the right solution. So if you're looking at it today, 
Primarily, our inventory is managed via ShipStation. That also handles all of our order processing. We operate our own warehouse here in Seattle, which gives us better control over the fulfillment process and delivery times. And then for our larger wholesale or retail clients, we're primarily using QuickBooks for invoicing, billing, and then have that link to uh, ShipStation. So there's a couple of different components for people that are relatively new into understanding omni-channel e-commerce. First off, there's the notion of who's doing the fulfillment, the logistics of actually physically identifying the product, getting them packaged, getting them shipped. And there's companies like Quiet Logistics and a bunch of other sort of enterprise scale logistics companies. And it sounds like you've made the decision, you're at the level of scale where you want to handle that yourself because you can move your products faster than somebody who's managing multiple different brands. Absolutely. Plus, it gives us a lot more control over the experience. Our cutoff time is 3 p.m. West Coast time. So if you order same day, we're able to get it out the door then. And by using a low-cost USPS first-class mail, Mm -hmm. we're able to hit the West Coast in a day or two where the majority of our customers are going to be. Even East Coast, New York City, you're looking at three or four business days tops. So it gives you a ton more control. It's a huge headache in the beginning, but obviously I think it's better for your business. Right. And then there's the second component that you mentioned outside of logistics, which is essentially your business management. I think you called it an ERP. Describe what ERP is in a little bit more detail for us. So an ERP is going to be your enterprise resource planner and basically all of your core business processes, whether that's going to be manufacturing, whether that's going to be purchasing your ingredients, when it comes to like CRM, There are products out there like Bright Pearl that will do all of that and run your warehouse, et cetera, et cetera. It's a lot of heavy lifting to get those installed. And obviously the cost is very high, but we had a really tough time figuring out how to make that work. And now that we've been running the warehouse, our own processing fulfillment center for about a year now, that's something that we'll look at considering again here shortly. So essentially, you've decided to not use a one-size-fits-all software solution, and you've built a customized process to make sure that you can manage your invoicing and your customer relationships. So you're piecing it together. Absolutely. And it's not always beautiful at times, but it works. (laughs) I think that's probably what's most important is that you're able to get the information that you want. So you mentioned the prioritizations of your multiple different channels where your Shopify direct-to-consumer business is the primary priority. And then you had Amazon. I'm not sure if you mentioned eBay and then you sort of work your way down into international and channel partners that are other e-commerce partners. And brick and mortar was in there as well. How do you tie all the data together there? And what are the KPIs you're looking to evaluate and prioritize your various channels? It's kind of interesting to probably start with this. So when the business was first running and we started growing into all of these other channels, we were just thrilled that people wanted to buy our product. So basically anyone and everyone who kind of came by and said, hey, I want to purchase something, we sold it to them. And what ended up happening was our direct-to-consumer sales were getting cannibalized because of these other channels. What I mean by that is someone would come to us, they would fake having a storefront somewhere in New York. That's where a lot of these things happen. Place a large purchase order for a thousand units or something like that. We would see dollars $40,000 come in immediately. And what would happen is they would take this to Amazon or something like that. 
and sell it at 25% off the map pricing. In FBA or in Amazon terms, the brands don't necessarily own the listing. The buy box is what you'll see at the top right. And that's what you want to own because when you click buy, you get the purchase. Mm -hmm. And essentially what was happening when we first started was we were getting kicked off the buy box and these quote unquote wholesalers were coming in, ordering from us and reselling for a lot cheaper. You essentially had unofficial channel partners that were buying your inventory in bulk and then basically selling on the margin. Exactly. How shady. And they would be okay with a 4 or 5% margin. So it was crazy. Right. Interesting. Okay. So you basically decided that you wanted to own those channels because you were losing your direct business to them anyway. You would be more profitable by managing the listing yourself as opposed to selling wholesale to somebody else who was playing an arbitrage game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, we want to own the customer data. We want to have a relationship with the customer. We want to send them our content. We want to interact in our Facebook group. And none of that is going to happen on these third-party channels, including Amazon. So actually, within the last year, we talked about Adam Weiler and Sunken Stone earlier. We hired him to do all the channel management for Amazon. So when you look at the company now, it's almost like I'm running our growth team thinking that, hey, we need to continue to compete against Amazon because obviously Amazon is huge and is only going to get bigger. But if we don't keep up, then we're going to be an Amazon-only business in the future. That's an interesting point of part of your channels. Obviously, you own the entire relationship when somebody goes to your Shopify store when they're going direct to consumer and you continue to remarket to them. When they go through Amazon, they're Amazon's customer and you're just the supplier. With the other channels that you mentioned, going to brick and mortar stores, I know there's eBay, that's probably a little bit of a different relationship, and then some of your wholesale partners. How do you think about the relationships there and whether you're building a direct connection to the customer, or is it more like Amazon where you don't get to continue to remarket to the customer? When you're looking at retail, so bricks and mortar, for example, that's an experience. And I think the retail partners that we have now, like Pharmaca, for example, which is a very high-end supplement natural beauty chain, we've done extensive training with the staff at the majority of the locations so that if a customer comes in and saying, hey, I'm out of magnesium, I'd like to try a new product, that the staff there can make a recommendation for one of ours. So I think it's incredibly important for brands to have the omni-channel approach because you need those multiple touch points with potential customers. If we've been targeting someone with an ad and they are a pharmaca shopper and they see our product there on the shelf, automatically that's going to add more trust, more credibility for our brand. If they're able to ask about it to the representative there, that's where the sales happen. And you're going to see that kind of happened here in the US, but we also have the same approach with our international partners as well. I'm assuming that the brick and mortar isn't as profitable, but you still invest in that channel because you're describing it as a lost leader, right? You're willing to have a less profitable transaction to start building the relationship and building the brand with your customers. Is that fair? Absolutely. Retail is never going to be as profitable as direct to consumer, but it is a very valuable channel for our business and our growth going forward. 
Okay, I think that's a good stopping point for today, and that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Ben for joining us in part two of our interview, which we'll publish tomorrow. Ben is going to walk us through the MarTech stack he uses to both optimize his customer acquisition and retention efforts across his multi-channel e-commerce strategies. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Ben and the Natural Stacks brand, go to naturalstacks.com. If you'd like to read the transcript of this podcast, we've published it on our website, martechpod.com. And if you're a subscriber to the MarTech Podcast, I just want to take a second to say thank you. We'd love for you to leave us a review in the Apple iTunes store, and we want you to feel like a member of our community. So if you ever have questions or if you'd like to be a guest on the show, you can find a contact us form at our website, which is martechpod.com, or you can reach us on Twitter or LinkedIn. Our handle is LLC. If you haven't subscribed yet and you want a weekly stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, in addition to part two of our episode with Ben Herbert from Natural Stacks, we've got some great episodes lined up. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow with the rest of our conversation with Ben from Natural Stacks. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.